0: One anothering in quarantine on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, we are going to talk specifically about our, our situation right now. We are in week four or five or maybe even six, depending upon where you might be in the country and where you might be in the world, of our stay-at-home orders, our quarantining, our social distancing. And we, we've we passed the threshold of the adrenaline of something being different uh, and we're now into this becoming sort of a normal routine. And, man, that's quite different, isn't it? Um, we, we long. Do you feel yourself longing for uh, social relationship, longing to be with people, longing to uh, sit with people and to give people a handshake and a hug uh, and just being with each other? There's a reason that we long for that. I mean, the, the Scripture's... Uh, for we who believe, we long to be in community together. We we long to be with one another. We long to engage in the one anothering uh, of Scripture. And so, uh, a good question I think that we could talk about in in these days is: well, How in the world do we foster uh, this responsibility that we have, the, the commands of Scripture that we? Engage in one anothering together while we're staying at home and and while we're uh, while we're apart. I, I think the scripture actually gives us some some really decent principles to to help us with this and and this is not really all that different than than when we would normally be together. Just that the social structure becomes a little bit different. But we see where much of the New Testament was written by Paul, and it was written because he was in a different social location. He was in a different different place than the people he was wanting to, to write to. And it's interesting to me the way in which Paul addresses um, from the outset a- almost every letter that he writes, you know with the exception of uh, Galatians and maybe 1 Corinthians where his tone is, is, is quite different. He's engaging some, some major problems and issues. But even in, in some of the other letters, when he's engaging in what are, are problems for sure of uh, the church in that location, he still begins uh, with uh, an endearing statement about these people that he's writing to. And I think that's fairly instructive for us. I would encourage you during these days to, to mimic Paul, where we long to be with one another and, and we've now reverted to things like texting and, and email and, and those sorts of things, which they're great, but they're, they're ways in which we communicate. There's nothing wrong with that but making sure that we keep connected with, with folks, uh, whether it is through uh, text and whether it is through email. But we're more likely, if we sit down and and, and write a letter, uh, write a letter uh, to someone in the same way that Paul did. Listen to a couple. I'm going to read uh, one here from 1 Corinthians, the way in which Paul uh, speaks to them and introduces his letter, and then also from the one that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. L- listen to the language here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too." If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. What what Paul is doing here is he's engaging the hearts and the minds of the people in Corinth, Exactly where they are. And I think that's important. It's instructive for us that Paul understands what what the people are wrestling through. I would say to you as, as a pastor, I would say to you as a as a church member, maybe a small group leader, I would say make sure that you're engaging with your people on some level, and now through mediums like Zoom or through texting or FaceTime or whatever it is that you you use making sure that you're still staying connected with your people to know what is it that they're suffering with. How do we go about comforting them? And then and then making time to to write notes to them, to check in with them, to make a phone call, to build that one-anothering yet still. But one of the things that strikes me here that I think in our normal routine of church, unfortunately, what we see is, is contrasting to what Paul sees here. You see, Paul is, is connected enough, even though he's distanced from these people in Corinth, he's connected enough and he cares enough to hear reports to know what's going on in these, in these folks' lives. I would venture to say that for many of us, uh, in, in normal church flow and routine, we walk in the door, we say hello, how are things going, and it's hard for us to engage in one another because maybe we don't know the people well enough. We can't tell are they having a good day or a bad day. We can't tell uh, how their week has gone because we haven't talked to them in 7 days or 10 days or 14 days. But Paul is keeping connected with these people and he's able to speak to them very pointedly using the hope of the Scriptures, encouraging them to endure the suffering that they're currently going through knowing that comfort's on the other side and that God's going to empower them with this comfort so that then they can use that for the sake of comforting others. This is how we build one another in. This is one example, I think, that Paul uh, gives us here by he, by his modeling of how we are to engage people, especially in times just like this, where people are suffering in many ways. People have lost jobs. People are distanced. People are alone. People are separated from, from folks that they normally interact with and, and, and engage with. Uh, and, and so there are real issues. There are physical issues that people are struggling with, uh, people going without food, people looking at their bank account, watching it dwindle at the current moment, and, and they are in real, legitimate need. And for us to stay connected enough with people where they, they feel comfortable having to humble themselves and say, you know what, in this moment, I need help. I think this is a wake-up call for us in the church that we engage people well enough and we are uh, real, with people. We remove the facades, the masks that we wear. We are real enough with people where we can humble ourselves and say, you know what? I got laid off last week, and I don't have a lot of reserve, and, and, and I need help. And that this is a great moment for the church to come together where we can provide for those physical needs. We can take care of one another. We can comfort each other in these types of ways. But that's not the only way. In, in so many ways, we're, we're all struggling to some degree with the new normal. Uh, we're being vexed in so many ways spiritually, which is this tug of war, this tension of growth. How do we grow in and, and helping people through moments just like this? And one of the things that it takes is knowing your people. To know your people well enough and to be a welcoming ear, that, that you're willing to listen, you're willing to hear, and not just hear for the sake of hearing, to try and with words make them feel better, but but you're willing to be resolved to help them. That's one anothering, and, and this is a part of what Paul is saying here. He's comforting in them in their affliction, and and we can do that, but we have to make sure that we stay connected well enough and know people well enough, and we're transparent enough. As Paul talks about, he, he's okay with acknowledging his own suffering, his personal suffering, and in doing so, that's inviting. To people. And then he comforts them with the, the truth of Scripture and says, now, for you, go and do likewise. He, he doesn't allow them to, to to just settle in in self-focus. He, he, he encourages them that through their suffering, use this for the intention that God has, has purposed it in them. And we know that. We know that when we work, walk through trials, this is for our sake. It's for our good to grow us in perseverance and comfort and hope. But that's to be poured out now for the sake of others. And so one of the ways we foster one anothering is we help people to, to utilize what God is teaching us in this moment and pour that out to the benefit of others. Now, a second thing that I want us to consider is, is the way in which Paul does this in Philippians. He, he writes a letter. Can I encourage you to just sit down at your desk or sit down at the kitchen table, pull out old-fashioned like pull out a pen and piece of paper and write somebody a note just the way that Paul did here. Now, yours is not going to be inspired. We know that. But the fact that you're thinking about somebody, and when they receive that letter a few days later, the fact that you were thinking about them, praying for them, what an encouragement that is, that they get that letter to know that somebody was was thinking about them. Somebody had enough concern to care about them. Listen to the way Paul does this here in Philippians. And and remember, Paul is writing this from prison. And this is what he says, verse 3, chapter 1. I thank my God in all remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. Look at what Paul's doing. He's encouraging them in what God has begun in them and that he will bring it to completion. And he's using this moment to accomplish it. And he helps them to focus on eschatological hope when Jesus returns. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Verse 8, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all With the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You see what Paul is doing? What Paul is doing is he's helping them to work through this difficult situation with an eye toward what's to come. That none of this is meaningless, none of the affliction, none of the suffering that they're dealing with at this present moment is meaningless because God is doing something in it. Continue in verse 11, "...filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory, uh, to the glory and praise of God." And he keeps in mind not to uh, wallow in our self-focus, which is so easy for us to do when we're isolated and when we're being afflicted in so many ways by fear and tension that's about. And what Paul does is graciously and kindly as a good shepherd would do is he fosters this type of one-anothering among his people, And he models this for them. Pastors, can I tell you, please do this among your people. Where you're acknowledging truly where they are, what they're struggling with. Paul never runs away from the reality of what people are walking through. And then what he does is he helps point them to the hopes that they have in Christ. And prayerfully, you've been teaching the word of God uh, to such a degree that your people have anchors that they can hold to, and you can remind them of those things during these days. And, and the whole of the book of Philippians is really about this focus on rejoicing, rejoicing despite their circumstances. Paul is writing from prison, and what he's focusing, and what he's helping his people focus on, even in his scenario and situation, is not his difficulty, but to rejoice despite. Rejoice despite what he's experiencing now. To get back to the basics, to learn to rejoice no matter what. That we have a God that's worthy of rejoicing over. And this is how we begin to foster one another. And and as Paul is modeling this for his people, he's teaching his people then how to do this for those who are in their sphere of influence. So pastors, you engage your people in this way, writing, texting, calling them on the phone, talking with them in this type of language, how your heart yearns to be with them. You care for them. You're teaching your small group leaders. You're teaching your Sunday school teachers. You're teaching the leaders in your church to then go and do likewise. And you're teaching them by modeling how to anchor folks' heart to the truths of who God is and keeping their eye not on the temporal moment but toward the glory of Christ turning them outward, and the, the magical thing that happens in moments like this is what God does is he turns us away from ourself toward the, the good of other people as we die to the, the hunger and evil passions within our hearts to serve ourself, and it turns, it, uh, our, it turns us outward, outward to care now about the others who may be suffering. And we grow in compassion and grace and mercy and kindness and tenderness toward the needs of others. And this is how you begin to foster one anothering. As we teach our people through moments just like this to rejoice. And now we seek to encourage each other. Can you take a moment just today? Think of two or three, four, five people in your church where you could write a transparent note. You could write an encouragement from the scriptures to demonstrate how you've anchored your heart on the Lord and how you would encourage them to do the same, acknowledging the difficulty in which we live and beginning to foster relationships just like this so that you obey still in social distancing the commands of how we one another. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I wanted to address this issue today on one anothering is because Sometimes we think our circumstances relax our responsibilities. That's not the case. In fact, I would say that all the more because of our circumstances, our responsibility to do one another in the community of Christ grows. We see the necessity of it. We hunger for it. We long for it. And so find ways to engage in it. Find ways to obey those commands. And, and the Bible gives examples of that, just like we've talked about today. And I've heard this question several times from pastors, I've heard this questions from small group leaders, and so I wanted to address it. And and one of the things that I want to do is we want to help you as we address issues on the podcast. We want to help you with specific questions that you may have. Can I encourage you as you listen to this today? Think about maybe some unusual questions or or things that you've not encountered or thought about before that the Lord is doing in you and helping you to see differently through this pandemic through being separated from your community in Christ. What are some of those questions? And we would love to address those from a biblical perspective to try and give you insight on how uh, the Lord can encourage you through the Word and then also how you can be poured out for the sake of others to be an encouragement, to offer counsel from God on their behalf. Would you send us those questions? And you can send those questions to our email, info at biblicalcounseling.com, and we'll address those issues Uh, on the podcast, maybe via a blog, uh, where you can find tons of our resources. Now, I want to remind you very quickly about a free resource page, our pandemic resources. Many of you have accessed this. We want to encourage you to keep passing this around. We hope it's helpful to you. And you can find out that information at biblicalcounseling.com.